You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by HuntStand. HuntStand is the number one hunting app in the country, and at only $29.99, HuntStand offers a ton of functionality for hunters all over the country. Whether you own your own property or strictly hunt public, you can choose from over a dozen base maps, view property ownership information, 3D mapping, local weather, log your sightings and harvest, as well as use their trail cam management software, and print maps from your hunt areas. Download it today at the Apple App Store or Google Play. Hunt Stand. Upgrade your arsenal. We've all been there. The animal is down, the hunt is over, however the work now begins. For meativore and huntivores alike, who take it upon themselves to process their carcass, they require dedication, a strong back, and attention to detail. The folks over at Made With Meat have the same dedication when it comes to producing equipment that is commercial grade, yet accessible to the home butcher. If you need to prepare, process, or preserve your game, they got it. I picked up their chamber vacuum sealer one year ago, and it has been an incredible investment. The ease of pre-made pouches, good suction from the chamber and not having to suck the air from the bag itself, the high-quality seal that won't break. I've used it on butchered wild game, fish fillets, divided up goodies from the smoker, and was able to portion out large batch items. I made a 10-pound batch of barbacoa and froze the rest in one-pound bags. Now anytime the kids want Venny nachos, we just grab a bag and it's ready to go. Bade With Meat has a whole lineup of equipment covered by a limited lifetime warranty. Head over to madewithmeat.com or find the link in the show notes. Use the coupon code HUNTIVOR10 all lowercase at checkout to take 10% off your order. Hey, get ready to step up your meat game. Welcome to the Huntivore Podcast. Powered by Sportsman's Nation, where we celebrate the hunting and fishing lifestyle through the utilization and consumption of our wild game. No egos. Fork in hand, beer in the other. No status. A piece of red meat on a hot grill and turn it into a burnt offering. Just catch it, cut it, cook it. This is episode 90, Rich Wilson, crossbow plus pellet grill equals delicious. On this episode of Huntivore, Nick is joined again by the crossbow crusader, Rich Wilson. He and his ever-evolving crossbow named Bungie take on the eastern United States in search of game to bring home. Rich is no stranger for whitetails or feral hogs, but we spend some time chatting about his adventures to Maine for black bear. Rich also explains how picking up a basic pellet grill has his family cooking more delicious food at home and a bit of a lifesaver when it comes to cooking meats with very particular temperature requirements. All this, and of course a few rabbit trails, on this episode of Huntivore. Well, hey folks, beautiful evening here in Michigan. We are making more ice tonight. It's continuing to get colder and colder, and... Luckily, we have not had the precipitation. There's not a lot of snow that's coming down, at least right now. So all that cold air is getting onto the ice. Um, But I am talking with a gentleman that I believe he's getting dumped on either now or tomorrow. I am talking with Rich Wilson. He is the founder and host of Death by Bungie. Rich. Has the storm come your way to start dropping all that snow that they were calling for? 
Yeah, I spent the morning, got up early there, spent the morning before work shoveling the place out real good and managed to get in a couple of hours of hunting at the end of the day today. Today was actually our last day of the Pennsylvania late crossbow season, what I call the the late flintlock season. And I got out there and managed to spook about every deer in the area because they were all bedded down right next to my food plot. So I chased them out of there around 3.30 and then uh, didn't see anybody else show up until the by the time that the sun finally set on the season. So we're all done and for Pennsylvania for me, for Bungie, and zero bucks. <laughs> hey, you know, that's I believe there's a lot of people that are having zero buck problems. I don't I don't see it as a problem. Because as long as you're putting something in the freezer, as long as a dough was down, that's a celebration in my book. But no, I'm with you. At the same time, that is a little bit of a a little bit of a sad story there when you're like, man, I didn't get to fulfill my big buck goals for for 2021 slash 2022. You guys have a nice long extended season through the winter. Um, we do. And I was fortunate this year, actually, I did kill a doe with a crossbow during our Pennsylvania rifle season, what I call the second crossbow season. I did manage to put some meat in the freezer with that uh, hunt, and I was happy to do that. actually had a really good season in Pennsylvania. I had other opportunities as well. This year, I kind of played some of the state game lands, and by doing that, I end up splitting up my doe permits between different regions, if that makes any sense. You know how different states do it differently. But for that reason, you know, I still have to – you have to be a little bit more selective because I – today, or for example, I was – I only have a buck tag left for that region. So it just is the way it worked out. But it worked out great. Can't complain. Nope. Nope, you can't complain. And I'm sure, you know, sitting in the stand, like that's like the one last time where it's like – it's your time. It's it's a chance for you to reflect. It's you're watching the sun go down. You can't think of anything more beautiful, especially as precip is just filling up the food plot at that point. It's just <laughs> you know layering on the snow, um, and then yeah, now now it's back to work. It's back to the grind. There's none of these uh, getting out of week or getting out of work early or you know this weekend I want to be out in the woods. It's like that stuff's all all been put away. Right, time to store up those vacation days for next fall. <laughs> Well, good. Um, Bungie, though, this year, uh, as I was uh, going around your your YouTube channel, and folks, if you haven't been over to Death by Bungie and you want to find some great quality Midwest content, you need to head over to Death by by Bungie's YouTube channel. It's just high-quality stuff. It's it's very funny, but at the same time, awesome information especially if you're one that wants to take on uh, crossbow as your main method of take. It's a wonderful channel. But uh, Bungie went through a real facelift this year. This is <laughs> this is version three of Bungie. She's she's really gone into the the heavy metal bit of it. It's uh, this is the death stalker version. is that is that I, did I read that correct? That's correct. Yeah, this was the year. It's something I've been toying around for the last couple of years for people who might not be familiar with the channel. Uh, Bungie is the name of my crossbow, a 2010 Excalibur Axiom. A great crossbow, served me well. Dozens and dozens of deer. Even killed a bear this year with that crossbow, that older, slower crossbow. What I refer to as the largest crossbow in existence. It's 36 inches wide, almost 40 inches long. A giant of a crossbow. Real slow by modern standards, but still gets the job done. Very happy with that crossbow. But the last couple of years with, you know, I'm, I'm running a crossbow channel here. You need to have some some credibility, but I need to have uh, a little bit of experience with more modern equipment. And I've dabbled here and there with that. And this year we finally made the plunge. I sat down, started researching other models and a um, got my hands on this crossbow and realized it really is sort of a modern version of that older, slower crossbow. It can be rope cocked, you know, cocked by hand. You don't need a crank for it. It's only 150 pound draw weight, but it shoots. It's a Scorpid Deathstalker 420 and it's shooting around 400 feet per second, 380, something like that with the arrow setup that I'm using. And to step up 100 feet per second with your archery game, 
you see some really remarkable differences. I still hunt 20, 30 yards at the most, you know, that's my, my comfort zone, but you're a lot, you're doing 20 or 30 yards better at 400 feet per second than you're doing 20 or 30 yards at 300 feet per second. It just makes things a little bit smoother. You have got a much flatter trajectory. Deer are not going to jump the string like they had all the problems they had before with spine shots, that sort of thing. And penetration improves, you know, even without playing around with the heavier arrows that I had dabbled with over the last few years to sort of improve my momentum with those heavier arrows. So it it really has been an eye-opener for me to have this faster crossbow. The end result's the same. You know, we're hunting the same deer, same location, same style of hunting. And that was kind of one of my my goals was to find a crossbow that would allow me to keep hunting the way that I developed, my own style, my own method, if you will, that I've designed, that I've sort of come to terms with over more than a decade now, 12, 13, going on my 13th season of crossbow hunting. I wanted a crossbow was going to complement that, not force me to change everything. And this crossbow seems to do that. Everybody's got to find that that perfect crossbow, their very own bungee. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Even in the in the, the vertical world, um, I had a great great bow a couple seasons ago, and then it just seemed like technology really had like made some leaps and bounds. And I was offered the opportunity to buy uh, a newer bow, and you know it may have been five or six years, but I really see, you know, when I started shooting indoors to keep my practice going, and there's this this element of competition, and there's this element of you know, I want to do better than the guy standing next to me. And so now I'm really being nitty gritty with uh, putting that arrow on paper in the the bullseye or in the five ring and then trying to get as many X's or bullseyes as I could. And I found that I going to this new bow, it didn't like I didn't instantly start shooting 300 scores or perfect scores, but I saw an increase in those those little line shakes that the comfort of me being able to draw that bow and make that shot, even though it's at 20 yards, was just a touch more accurate. And it really does make – it gives you confidence because then when you go out to 20, 30 yards and now you've got an animal there, the reps are going to help. Yep, the practice is going to help. But now it's like it is – that piece of technology really does eventually help out at that point. I don't, By no means do I really need this, but at the same time, just like you were saying with – the, the new added, it's like, hey, this complements what I'm doing. A hundred percent. I'm telling you, and I've made this comment before, I, I could go the rest of my life probably with that older, slower crossbow, and I could just keep doing what I'm doing and killing deer, and it will not let me down. That crossbow, it's just a, it's a workhorse of a crossbow. But technology improves. There are advantages to, to faster pieces of equipment, but there's also the smoothness of a compound crossbow versus the older, slower uh, recurve crossbow. Just that smoothness, it's more of a pleasure to shoot. You know, my daughter was a little bit turned off by shooting this big crossbow that was actually quite loud, right? This newer one is, it's more akin to a compound bow where you have that quieter, smoother feel. And so much so that this year in Maryland, for example, I shot a deer from a tree stand, shot the deer at 20 yards, shot a doe. She ran off. Behind me, there out in the field, there was a spike at another uh, location out, out here in the field behind me, probably 20 yards behind me. That deer didn't know what he was more concerned with why the doe ran away than he was with the sound of the crossbow going off. And that was a real eye opener for me. Before it was one and done with the original bungee. You take a shot with that crossbow, and it, just like a lot of crossbows, even today, every deer in the area knows something happened. And not so much with this crossbow. It's a little bit smoother. And that's just another example, I think, of technological advancements. It's And it's also produced a new problem now, Rich. You have to wait for that deer to leave before you get out of the stand. And I'm sure that's such an annoyance when you're like, listen, I, I need to start tracking. You need to move on. <laughs> This year, and I'm, this is you'll you'll get a kick out of this. You hit the nail right on the head. This year, sitting sitting in a blind um, on my ridge staging food plot, 
And I had does coming in again. This was the region where I, I'm out of doe permits. I already killed a doe. And I, so I've, I've got a, it's buck only. And I had, this was at the tail end of the rod. I've got these nice does in the food plot. And I'm thinking some buck is going to make his way in here to, you know, with all these does here. Darkness comes, the end of the day comes, the does bed down in the food plot. <laughs> so they're not, I can't even leave. I'm like, you know, I want to leave and I'm going to leave. And we're toward the tail end of the rut. So I know I'm spoiling the location here, but no buck had come in. It's past dark. I've given them every opportunity to leave. So one of the downsides of this crossbow, I consider it a downside of this new crossbow, is you have to shoot a decocking arrow, which isn't uncommon. But you can't uncock it with the rope the way I'm familiar with the old recurve. But no big deal. So I get my decocking arrow and I thought, well, I'll shoot this out of the blind here and these does will get up and run away and then I'll leave. And sure enough, I decock it. I shot the arrow and they kind of look over and don't leave. <laughs> they didn't even get up. So <laughs> they're kind of looking at the blind. They're like, oh, that was like a twig break or something. Like it just wasn't loud enough to scare them 20 yards, 30 yards, whatever they were out of my food plot. They were bedding down right here. So finally I zip up the blind and I get out. And when they see my silhouette, they finally take off. But yeah, yeah. in shock and awe of what, there was a guy there. Like I threw an arrow (laughs) at you. Come on. (laughs) It's just, that is just the nature of the beast. Those are some examples of the nature of technological improvements. And it's just, it's the world we live in. We live in like the golden age of hunting. And I will probably be saying that in 10 years too, in terms of the equipment, it just seems to get more and more phenomenal. There's more and more interesting stuff and options out there. Yeah, yeah. And I think we're in the day day and age, too, of like our populations are just I mean, if you're looking for for deer like this is the time to do it. We're I see so many things on different cities and communities around urban areas like having to do deer shoots or have to have uh, um, population control be done with, you know, um, sharpshooters or or how whatever means that they're going to be doing. And it's like, man, if if we're in this golden age of hunting, like I like as you put your channel out, and the more time that I can get my my material out, it's like this is the time that we should be getting more people in, into these areas and to be able to take care of this and at least ha- provide food for folks, as opposed to I'm you know I guess I I'm I don't know what happens after a, a shoot whether those are incinerated or disposed of or maybe they do end up at some shelter or food bank. I'm not sure how those work out but yeah we've we're in this population boom and technological technological boom where it's like things are things are really good for us as whitetail hunters i think so and i think that that's one of the focuses of my channel you know a lot of people when they get into hunting they're looking for looking at crossbows some people are just unfamiliar with firearms don't want to go the rifle route might feel more comfortable with archery but crossbows are attractive because they don't have the the learning curve so i try to focus on that but if you really want to hold somebody, that gets somebody into hunting. But if you want to hold them in hunting, you need to be able to feed them with it and get them to see that it's okay if you go out there. Not everybody's going to shoot a big buck. They hang on the wall every year and they've got the whole room full of big bucks. It's great to have a freezer full of meals that can impress your friends and family and yourself and feed your family. And I think that, that the value of that is what is going to hold these new people in hunting when they come into the sport. Amen. Amen. And that's why we're here. That's why we're talking with you because that's why we're here. That's why we're here. Putting that dough in your freezer this year. Um, and I, I was kind of peeking at you through throughout the summer as well. Um, you got yourself not only with bungee, but you have a new, uh, toy that's out on your back porch or either on your, on your deck or whatever, but you've been working with a pellet smoker. Very exclusive. Um, does it have a name? Does it, does no. it have a fun name? Like, <laughs> I feel like no, maybe. That's a good point. I do name my food plots. You know, a lot of guys name big bucks and all that stuff. And I've just never gotten into that. And I think mostly because I don't have a lot of big bucks or something. But, you know, it's just, it's that one big buck that we saw, Genevieve. My daughter, I'll just tell her, that's the one we saw. You know which one I mean, because there's only yeah. the one. But, so, and that's fine. I mean, I, everybody it takes different strokes for different folks. But I do tend to name 
all these different pieces of equipment. It's funny. I've never named the, the but it's a pit boss uh, just for, for brand purposes, mm-hmm. um, a pellet smoker. It's like an 1100 series, one of the bigger ones. And yeah, that not just a new toy, but that really has changed things for me. And it's up to my game of cooking without, and I can't even take credit for that. <laughs> you know, we're going back to these technological advancements. I started the spring summer with a charcoal grill that I bought. And uh, I hadn't cooked on charcoal in years. So I started doing that and I was like, wow, what have I been missing? I've been cooking everything on the stove. I've gotten into cast iron, getting a little bit better with that. There are advantages to all these different methods. Uh, I'm really good with a crock pot for different purposes, you know, and different applications. But the charcoal, I was like, wow, cooking outdoors, we're keeping the heat outside. Um, And with this new, the place where we live here, we bought a new house the deck on the back, it's just very convenient. It's right off the kitchen. It's just, you can't beat it. So to take advantage of that, we uh, went the extra step and I bought a pellet smoker, that pit boss, and to sort of get the wood smoky flavor maybe into our meals that we were enjoying, similar to the charcoal flavor that you might get with that grill. And wow, what a different thing. Like it just, a, a few big shifts for me right off the bat. I had to get my mind around First and foremost, the concept that it's a pellet smoker, but it's really an outdoor oven that's wood fired. <laughs> okay. And for me, like my wife and I, we would go back and forth and she's like, well, I don't want it to be smoked. And it's, we think of it in terms of like a smoker, you start thinking something that's going to make beef jerky and snack sticks and sausages. And you can do that on one of these contraptions. But it's really, again, you know, I've made everything from all those items. We're getting into the snack sticks, all that. But my back straps have never been more perfectly cooked than they are on this pellet slope smoker. You get it on this grill going at 250. It holds a perfect temperature. You know, it knows exactly how many pellets you want in there. And you can pick the wood flavors with different pellets and experiment if you want. But it holds that temperature perfect, holds it at 250. And you've got a probe on the inside, so you know when your internal temperature's in the 140s or wherever you want it. And it's just low and slow and really is up my game. And again, I can't take credit for that necessarily, other than understanding the concept. But once I got my head around the idea that this is really an oven, we've even made like macaroni and cheese in it. And I've made birthday cakes in it that are just phenomenal. You know, we heat up pizza. If you want day-old pizza... That is the best pizza you ever had, heated up on a wood-fired oven like a pellet smoker. Holy cow, is that good. <laughs> That's awesome. And it, it doesn't have near the startup that what a charcoal has, where it is going to be you know, 15, 20 minutes before you can get even generate enough heat in that charcoal before it gets going. You're at you know, 15 minutes, you're, you're been ready to go for quite a while, at least on some of those models. with, with the Not just smoker. that. The other advantage to the, in my view, okay, again, I'm still getting my head around this whole concept, but the other big advantage to a pellet smoker, a pellet grill like this, is that it has a much longer period of heat than the charcoal does. If you're doing a bunch of stuff on the charcoal, like potatoes, for example, you might run out of heat. You know, eventually that charcoal is going to die out on you. It's got that sort of a curve. And with the pellet smoker, I can keep that thing at 400 all day long. I have done pork shoulders on there, pork butt, you know, and something, a cook that's taken 12 hours. We're starting it before sunrise and you're cooking and pulling off there at six o'clock at night to have dinner. There's, I mean, it just maintains whatever temperature you want for the most part. You got to read the manual and understand how to do it and keep the pellets going and all that. But it's very fuel efficient either. It's actually also, it's very surprising to me how few pellets I go through, uh, you know, it's really a, a, just a great piece of equipment. Awesome. Awesome. And I love the correlation you made to it as well as like, you know, if the, if the vertical boys, the vertical bow boys are with the charcoal grill over here or at the stove with the cast iron, like it really is a great comparison between uh, the, the crossbow and the pellet smoker is both give you the advantage of some assistance or at least the idea of, I don't have to get the practice reps in with this. I got to get the, just get it sighted in and it's going to, it's going to do the work for me as far, as far as the pellet grill is going to go. It's going to hold that, that temperature for you. And as a guy who then not only sticks with whitetail, but 
you've got a whole host of species that you're chasing bigger game species as well. You've, you got a bear, was it last year or this year that you ended up? That was this year. This year. Holy smokes. Tell me about chasing bear. Cause I feel at some point, like I like hunting. I like being a hunter. I don't like the chance where all of a sudden the roles flip where I go from hunter to hunted. Like, I'm just not quite ready for that, that large a step yet. You know, and it's funny too, you know, I went to Maine, This I went to Maine two years in a row, I actually went last year and didn't even see a bear the time that I was up there. But I can tell you on my first trip to Maine, I was in a blind one night and heard these strange sounds around me that sounded like branches breaking, almost like somebody was taking a branch and breaking it or smacking it up against a tree and breaking it. And I thought, wow. And then I hear these thumping sounds. I'm like, what is going on? This is like grouse or then this other thing is some other bird or something. And I went back and found out those are actually bears. There was a bear near me that knew I was there and was trying to get me to give myself up. And that makes you a little uncomfortable because I'm sitting in a blind in a foreign woods where I've never been way, you know, 10 hours from home. And you're out when you're hunting in Maine, this is vast wilderness. These sites are set up by the guides and you're hunting, you're hunting over a bait barrel typically, but these barrels are a mile apart, like a, a mile as the crow flies. So you have a square mile that's your wilderness tied to your site, to your stand, to your blind. Really remarkable stuff. The other hunters I was with, many of them were rifle hunters. Most of them were. And occasionally I would hear them shoot, but it was way off in the distance. You know, so I would know when they were starting to see some bear activity. But to be sitting on the ground that close to a bear without a firearm, Um, you know, once you figure that out, you get a little nervous. Now this year I was successful. I took the original bungee, my older, slower crossbow, because the guide in advance had assured me all the shots would be 20 yards. And they were in fact, 20 yard stands setups that makes scent control a real issue. And I struggled with that. I bought a scent lock outfit to, to sort of improve my game a little bit. And that's another piece of technology that in my opinion can up your game. And it's just technology. It really is. But That was a situation with my older, slower crossbow. My shot was a little bit too far back. I I did a whole video on this. The bear was wounded. We did end up recovering it. But after I shot this bear, I went back on my phone, on my Tacticam, and I looked at the footage to see kind of where I was at and all that. And I knew that that bear was probably wounded. That it wasn't like a double lung shot. And opted not to go follow that bear alone <laughs> you know so another you know those are lessons that we learn again in an unfamiliar territory in the woods in maine uh you know 10 hours from home 12 14 hours from home whatever i was um you wait for the guy with the with the sidearm you wait for the guide with the dog to they do their job and help you locate that bear so yeah it, it's interesting stuff the bear hunts Uh, are under attack nationwide and in other countries. And I'd urge anybody that ever had any inkling to to go hunt bears to do so now. It's unfortunately a form of hunting that probably we will see gone during our lifetimes. And that's unfortunate. And that's why it it was such a priority for me to get that opportunity, especially with a crossbow, Uh, Just because I don't know how much more opportunity like that you're going to have. I I had spent uh, the last couple of years here, especially trying to get into Canada to do this kind of a hunt is is very difficult due to the COVID, um, the border being closed and all that. And, um, you know, I had a spring bear hunt planned with some other friends of Bungie, some folks that I hunt with that that follow the channel, that sort of thing. And we had intentions of actually going to up to New Brunswick and hunting up there. Uh, but again, no guarantees the border will be open. So there's a lot of challenges for bear hunting. Um, you know, all forms of hunting that involve dogs, I think, are going to are just they're they're they have a lot of challenges of their own because they require so much ground in order to perform that kind of hunting. The dogs, you know, need a lot of room to do their jobs, and they don't know boundary lines, property lines, you know. So there's all these different forms of hunting, I think, are under attack. But those are ones, it, it'll be a shame. But I do think that uh, if you if you want to shoot a bear, you should get on it now. 
<laughs> that's good. Good messages right there. I know we have a season here in Michigan, but yeah, it's like you said, it's probably only a, a bit of time before, yeah, we're going to start to see that go away as well, which I wish cooler heads would catch on to this. It's we, the hunting idea is beyond is not only for food at that point, but it is a population control. Right now, things are looking good for bear populations. They're stable. And so that's where the, well, then you don't need to hunt. But unfortunately, I think when populations start to grow again, then we're going to have more interactions with people and bears and not in the positive. We're going to have rooting through trash. We're going to have altercations back and forth. And unfortunately, then it's going to be hard to get that season back. So you bring up a, a really good point. I agree with you. And suddenly those bears become nuisances as opposed to just wonderful assets that we can chase. You know, the, the bear uh, and the pellet smoker are a wonderful combination. I've got to tell you, I don't know how to cook bear. I, this is the first bear I ever ate, but I can tell you that I have cooked quite a bit of that bear. I still have some left. I got one really good looking marbled roast. That Ooh, is going to make its way into Facebook one of these days. It's going to be <laughs> go down in Facebook fame. The, yeah. You know, it, it's beautiful. It just looks, it's like it froze so perfect. And it's just something I can't, I can't bear myself to thaw it out just quite yet. But I got the ones that I have cooked in all honesty uh, have been phenomenal. It's a more robust version of deer. If you want to think of it that way, I'm not really good at putting words with all these flavors, but I can tell you that it is a richer form of meat. It takes to the smoker extremely well, and I've only done it on the smoker grill. That's the only way that I've done these the bear roasts, but they are, I do them with a salt, pepper, garlic rub like I do anything else, you know, sort of do that, and then you smoke it up to, you know, you're, these you're doing up to 160, 165, because trichinosis is a, at least a theoretical problem, even up to those temperatures, even though it's been frozen. You know, there's like one form, I guess, that can survive that freezing process at zero or below. So to be safe, we cook it up there. But on the smoker pellet grill, what's gorgeous about that piece of equipment is that even at that higher temperature, it's still pink on the inside and still juicy and tender and wonderful. And I've taken some of that bear to two different office parties. We had a Christmas get together for my office and, uh, and they loved it. They loved the bear. And I told them it was bear. I don't surprise people with that stuff. I'm not playing any games. They loved the bear meat, and I made sure that everybody got a piece of it. There were a few folks who were out due to COVID, so we had another uh, holiday party, let's say, but around New Year's at the office, and I smoked another bear roast for that. And people loved it. You know, it was one of those things where I was a little nervous that people would even want to try it, but I went out of my way. I brought in a nice wooden cutting board. I made the best presentation of it that I could. I had some potatoes that I had roasted, you know, on the on the smoker as well to go with it and sort of make a, a meal out of it. For a, it was a lunch, but I'm telling you, anytime you can work someplace where they serve you bear meat uh, for lunch, you're doing pretty good. <laughs> exactly. Shoot, I can I put my resume in. I know it's the great uh, resignation. Maybe maybe there's an opening. <laughs> just want to take a time out and say thank you to the listeners for tuning in. It really does mean a lot. I would also appreciate that if you haven't already left a rating or review uh, to go ahead and do that. It all helps folks find us and get on board using and enjoying their wild game. Feel free to chat with us and ask questions either on Facebook, The Huntivore, or Instagram at Huntivore. Got a recipe you think is dynamite and want to share? or have some show topic ideas, email us at huntvor at gmail.com. For even more hunting and fishing podcasts by real, relatable sportsmen, head over to Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network, which happens to be a 2% for conservation company, who give 1% of their earnings and 1% of their time helping out the wildlife and wild places we all love. Now, back to the show. So going along with, with the roast, like when you're looking at the fat content of a bear, the, like the one you had right here, you it's not necessarily you're trimming this off. This is like that, I mean, fat equals flavor, but it's not like a, a venison tallow where it really does get that waxy film in there. Was the bear 
greasy by any means, or did that fat really complement every part of that roast, almost to the, the point of being like a pork roast? All the fat on the outside, I did trim as much of that off as I could. Okay, so the roast, like the dirt, silver skin, I got rid of that. The guides up there will tell you that you don't want that on there. Beer fat doesn't taste all that good. Chunks of fat I actually removed, and I did the rendering process in a crock pot and rendered it all down into bear grease. And I got about four and a half, five uh, pints of bear grease that I froze some of it. And I, you know, I take a tablespoon of that and throw that in the in the cast iron. If I'm cooking something, you can't beat it. It's just been a really neat little product to have. I'm not an expert on this stuff, but I did. I watched a ton of videos and I, it actually worked well, like to the point where I'm thinking I kind of need to shoot a spring bear to make sure I have more bear grease. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so this bear, it was a, it was a dry sow. She did not have cubs. There were none around. Plus there was no evidence of her actually having cubs from this year. She's probably a very old sow, but she had a bunch of fat buildup and that was all removed. So I could do the rendering process. The rows. Now, if they're marbled and there's, fat or layers within that meat, I left that is, is just like you would on a deer. I didn't tear it apart or anything like that. And I just would smoke that. Uh, I can't say that it was greasy or oily. Okay. We are cooking up a little bit higher in temperature than I like. I'm more of a medium rare kind of guy or a rare kind of guy. I like something around the one thirties, maybe with my venison, but the family really enjoys the ladies of the house. My daughter and my wife really prefer something a little bit closer to well done, unfortunately. The smoker, though, what I found is even if you get in those higher temperatures, like 165 for this bear, it's still pink, it's still tender, it's still juicy. And I wouldn't go so far as to say that I that anybody has suggested an oily uh, appearance to it or anything like that. That really hasn't been a, a part of the comments that I've gotten or anything. Good. You do hear that though too. And, and I'll tell you, this is wild game, right? I can tell you the difference between the spike that my daughter shot this year in Maryland and the doe that I shot in Maryland this year. I can tell you the difference between those two deer. Um, and so there is a difference in flavor. And that's one of the reasons that we appreciate it. The bear, very similarly, I am sure that if I shot another bear, it'd be like, oh, this bear is different from this other bear. And I've talked to people who do not like bear. One of the folks that was at our office party had had a bear before, did not like it one bit, and loved this one. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I think it helps sell those smoker grills. <laughs> yes, yes. And perfect application for that, too, that, you know, you, you are going to go for that higher temperature and the the slower you can apply the BTUs, the slower that you're bringing that piece of meat up to temperature, it's going to retain moisture better. You know, you get that, you get a broiler going or you get um, your your cast iron ripping hot and you can dry a piece of meat out, I mean, with blinking, just because it's so intense versus your, you know, pellet pellet smoker there or the yeah basically the outdoor oven at that point you can put that on gentle essentially and i mean there's not a gentle setting but you put that at 250 and it just trickles the btus onto that and by doing that nice and slow you are left with a much better product something with more uh, moisture left to it even in yes you know we we still love those folks heaven forbid anything happens to people who eat well done meat but this is the way that they would want to be able to to have that is somebody who took the effort and care to gently raise that up there. They really, my family, you know, again, they love it that way. They don't, they don't have any complaints about it. You're, you're a hundred percent right on not just the product being better when it's low and slow like that, but also if you're doing other things and when we're cooking, we're always, you know, now I'm working on the vegetables and the meats on, but I'm, I might get distracted. The nice thing about the low and slow is you're looking for 165, for example, with that bear roast if you forget about it and give it a few extra minutes, you go out 10 minutes later, it's only at 168. If you forget about something that you've got on high heat or on the pan, all of a sudden it's a 200. <laughs> and, and it's just, it's so nice that it's a little more forgiving too, you know? So you, you kind of get, so you appreciate that part of it as well. Yep. I'm a, 
Yeah, back to just the cooking method. I'm a I'm a charcoal guy. I do appreciate that. Now I do have an electric smoker um, to fill in the role, like for the the pellet smoker, so that I can let things go lower and slower, and then yeah, just let it let it be in there. But I like to babysit things. I like to be out there next to the next to the grill, next to the smoker, and that's a thing. Like, could I be doing something productive? Absolutely. But that's nowhere near as fun as just standing here and checking the temperature again, you know, 10 minutes ago from when I last checked it to see that it went up a half a degree. Like that is what I, I go for. And I know my my wife, bless her heart, she loves it when I am getting all involved into something. But she's like, honey, this is this is taking for absolutely ever. You know, you haven't done any, you know. Where's the side dish? We don't have any of that. And so I basically kind of just let her go off, and I'm like, hey, you take care of the side dishes and the rolls, and I'll focus on the main, like, the focus, the main entree here. I'll do that. And then she's just, basically, I'm just looking for a chance to sit outside next to the, next to the grill. I think it's always better if you soak up some of that smoky flavor yourself so the people know you've been working hard. You know, you walk back inside and you've got a little bit of the charcoal, whatever the smoke flavor is, on your clothes. And, and you know, it, it lets people know you've been you've been doing your job. Yes, yes. I don't wear a cologne, but if I had to, charcoal. <laughs> charcoal is what I want. <laughs> I, you know, it's funny, too, because I the... The work uh, when I was doing those roasts for the for the office parties, you know, you can wash your clothes, but my necktie, uh, those are not supposed to have that smoky flavor. <laughs> um, off the, I know we've talked bear, we've talked a little bit of venison. Um, favorite thing that you've made on that pellet smoker. What would it be this past since getting it since getting it up and running? What's one thing that you're like? Mm, I could do this over and over and over again. There's a few things that are that I do an awful lot of. Like any leftover pizza is going on that smoker. That it's just a great way to rejuvenate your pizza. That you know it, it blows a micro microwave away. It's just amazing. Uh, that's one thing, and I and that is usually done when. I mean, it's it's right there on the deck. We can go out and just turn it on for that purpose. But sometimes I'll do it in combination with something else. Another thing that I do as an entre, as an as an appetizer, is the smoked cream cheese. You've probably seen some of that on Facebook as well. Mm-hmm. Not just me, but other people. There is a cream cheese shortage, and I do think that Philadelphia cream cheese <laughs> needs to step up the game a little bit and make sure that we have our enough of that on supply but it's when you put a little bit of your favorite rub that's going to complement the rest of your meal on that on a brick of philadelphia cream cheese and then you maybe put a little bit of brown sugar on top of that and rub that in good and smoke that for 30 to 45 minutes low and slow until it sort of cracks there's no you don't need the temperature you don't need the amount of time just don't leave it on there so it turns into a puddle but you eat that with Ritz crackers or club crackers, and it's the best way to get your wife or my daughter to stop asking when dinner's going to be ready because <laughs> they'll have something to eat in the meantime, you know. So when you're looking for something else to do while your meat is coming up to temperature on the grill, that's a great one. I'm telling you, the smoked cream cheese is just something that it's like a staple. I have at any given time, I have four or five uh, blocks of that cream cheese available in the in the in the uh, refrigerator for that purpose, but probably the the big go to for me is not necessarily just the roast, but the back straps. I love any kind of a steak or anything that's been done on cast iron or whatever they do at the steakhouses when I go there. I love that. But what I have found is that bringing that it's a, sort of a reverse sear. This is just the way I do it now. But I will bring that back strap up to temperature, try and get it to 140 or so, keep the family happy. Uh, maybe you can go a little bit higher. And again, you can go a little bit higher even with a back strap without ruining it. Because you're, like we talked, we're, we're bringing this up low and slow. Bring that up to the temperature that you want. Cook it properly with the rub of your choice on that smoker, on that pellet grill. And then sear it on cast iron. Maybe with bare grease, bring that up hot, get that to the 350, 400 degrees that can't get that cast iron up nice and hot and just sear that 
Uh, and maybe you've worked some onions and mushrooms and stuff like that into your bear grease or into butter or whatever else. Put the butter on last. But work that into that uh, cast iron pan. Get that nice and hot. Sort of timing it. There's a lot of steps in this process. And you're always kind of doing something, you know, thinking about what's next and trying to stay one step ahead in terms of what you got to do and when you got to do it. But pull that back strap off. And before it rests, I put it in that cast iron sear both sides. Then let it rest. And that... In terms of an overall process, that's my go-to with back straps. Gotcha. Amen. Amen with the reverse <laughs> sear. I can't. You couldn't. I couldn't say it any better. That was just beautiful. Just beautiful. Well, thank you. <laughs> the the cream cheese, the smoked cream cheese. I know there's like a oh, it's it's like a seared brie or whatever they do. They take like a an expensive brie cheese. And they heat that up, and then you're supposed to do the same thing. Like, I like, I like where you're going with like this Midwest uh, version, being with the Philadelphia cream cheese. Even maybe throwing a little bit of jam on the side to get that like the tangy, and then the sweet off the one side of it. Yes, that would be something to smoke that sucker and have that. That's going to be one I'm putting that on my list as to something to try out, just an experiment to, yeah, keep everybody at bay for a little while. Now, my boys are Absolutely. still, they still kind of turn their eye at a lot of things that I make. But, yeah, wild game, they will sit and wait. I mean, I put the if I put the cream cheese out there, they might they might not touch that. But they're definitely going to keep bugging Dad on when when's deer meat going to be ready. They're going to they're gonna want that. There you go. Yeah, that cream cheese, though, I'll tell you, I don't think anybody turns a blind eye to the cream cheese. <laughs> <laughs> That's the, it turns into, it's almost like it's got this, like, whipped cream consistency once it's smoked and the flavor just it just explodes uh it doesn't last long it doesn't no, last no long. It's, it's gone um and a new addition to this year has been you're no longer like death with bungee used to be a solo channel but there is now a new co-host along with the show and you have brought along a, you've brought along genevieve your daughter along on this Talk to me a little bit about her involvement. Um, she was by no means was she a stranger to your past videos. We, you know, we had talked with Genevieve, or you you had uh, mentioned her a lot in videos, but she's now taking. I believe I saw a video where it was her solo hunting on one. That is super cool. Has what has kind of been her blossom into getting into hunting? I mean, she, yeah, she's watching Dad go out and do this. But what's her big motivation for someone who's young and just soaking in all this information about hunting? What gets her excited about joining you on this venture? I think the turning point, because she'd always been a little bit involved, either in putting in the food plot. She'd been involved in that and all the habitat work we do around the family property, that sort of thing. She's always involved in that sort of thing. And I tried to involve her with hunting and make her go with me at least once a year. So she knew what was going on with it. But the big thing was... Last year, in 2020, at the beginning of the pandemic, really, we got a present. A friend of Bungie actually gave us a crossbow. And it was, again, this was back when I was kind of talking about, but I really hadn't talked publicly about the possibility of upgrading crossbows. That was, and it's a micro suppressor 355. It's not a model that Excalibur makes anymore, but it was a faster crossbow, smaller and much more versatile. She fell in love with that. And it was all of a sudden, hey, for her, it was like, hey, crossbows aren't these gigantic things like dad has. They're also these smaller, faster, more, you know, sleek looking things like this crossbow. And she kind of fell in love with that. And it went quite a ways in convincing her to, um, you know, use that in the backyard, become comfortable with it and everything else. Last year, she did kill a nice little six-point buck in, under the 100-year-old apple tree on a family property. This year in Maryland, she killed a really nice eight-point, and she just really has taken taken, you know, taken know, it to new heights. Uh, so it was, very, it was a big motivator for her, but I don't think without the gift of that crossbow, I don't think that there's any way that we would be seeing her that active in the channel. She loves animals, loves artwork. And actually is taking a taxidermy apprenticeship right now that is her college. 
so to speak. And she's now going into birds with that. We uh, got from a friend of Bungie a couple of pheasants that she is going to taxidermy. I, I don't even know how they do all this stuff, but she comes home and explains it to me. And uh, it's just, it's been such a blessing to watch her. Like, I'm not familiar with taxidermy. I don't understand it. She has really, really taken to it. And she's going to be mounting my bear come spring. She has fleshed the hide with the under the guidance of the taxidermist that she's studying under. And uh, my buck from Pennsylvania last year, that hide is now tanned and ready to go. And I'll be displaying that soon. She will do the final mounting of that as well. So she's really, this is something that she, she's even mounting the woodchuck that I shot over the summer with my new crossbow. <laughs> <laughs> so that yes. is, you know, this is, this is crossbow hunting is another way for her to enjoy her artwork, which really crossbow hunting is a way for me to enjoy my creativity as well. The video making and all that stuff that I do. And, you know, that's, that's all just part of my creativity. You know, it's an out, it's a creative outlet for me. Excellent. Excellent. And I would say you're just, you are a darn good dad. Not only, oh, thanks. <laughs> not only are you continuing to hunt critters so that you can then fulfill the need for her artwork. I like this. You just, you know what? I got another woodchuck, babe. I need you to to stuff this one for me too. But make this one with a top hat. Could you could you do that for me? What's what's the one over there in Pennsylvania? He's the one that shows up the second of uh, what's his name? The Punxsutawney Phil. Punxsutawney Phil. I feel like you need a Punxsutawney somewhere in the house with a with a top hat. But at the same time, to also be like, listen, you got your biggest buck this year. Dad's not going to upstage you. He's going to sit back. He's going to go buckless this year. I tell you. Well, Dad sure tried. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying I to give to you an out it. there, Rich. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, hey, this has been a great hour, Rich. It's been great to catch up with you again. Um, where can my listeners, if they haven't listened to episode one, which I'm going to tell them to go back and listen to our first talk that we had with each other, um, but tell us where can we find you and where can we follow along with what you're doing? Death by Bungie on YouTube. Bungie is spelled B-U-N-J-I-E. I, I kind of always joke that that's the French spelling, just to make it sound classier. But, <laughs> but Death by Bungie on YouTube. You can also check out deathbybungie.com. And I have a podcast, Talking with Bungie, that's available there and on all your podcast apps and all that good stuff, which is where I just talk about crossbow-related fun topics, things like that. And I think, and we have a Facebook page if you're interested in that sort of thing, but that is your outlet for Death by Bungie. Excellent. Excellent. Well, Rich, hold on for just a second. Well, hey folks, this has just been a fun outing to have someone who is authentic in their pursuit of animals that they have chosen their way of take and this is the way they're going to do it. And they show it in an amazing, very high quality uh, presentation. And, the whole idea, as we were talking here, is the end result is that we want to fulfill the needs of our family, whether it be with a, a bear roast, whether it be with venison that you get, whatever your means of take, just to know that you're taking it with the whole intention of wanting to consume that animal, to get the most that you can out of it. And even learning that, you know, taxidermy too, it, it is an art form. It is some way that we get to relive that, uh, that event. And to know that, yeah, there's young people getting into that industry. So, folks, if you are a vertical uh, bow person, great. Stick with it and keep on doing the reps. If you uh, if you got the crossbow, make sure that you're, uh, you're decocking that thing when you're done with it. Don't leave that sucker ready to go off in your basement. But whatever you do, make sure that your knives are always sharp.